You know, when I put this together this week, I was just reminded of everything that God has done for us. And that the title, if I were to title it, is Guilty or Free. You can already tell where I'm going with this today. And I've, I've asked the Lord more than once, Lord, it seems like I'm being redundant. And he said, Norm, tell my people this is so that they can give an answer to this world. When you leave here, if you leave here going, I heard that before. You know, Jesus made the Israelites go around the mountain how many times? For 40 years. Why? Because they didn't get it. So unless you want to keep hearing the same message over and over and over, get it. Use it. Take it to the streets. Let people know about God's love for them. Guilty or free. You think there are anybody... You think there are any people out there today that need Jesus? <laughs> We're told there is no God. I've hear, heard it so much, it's frustrating. And if that were true, and I'm not saying it's true, all right? I'm just representing the other side if I can. If there is no God, then it only seems logical that there would be no consequences for our actions. That would mean that if one desired something, something that somebody else had, all one would have to do is go take it. There's no consequences. There's no God. Who cares? I believe that's technically called stealing, but hey, there's no God. It's obvious to me that there are many that feel there is no God. Their hearts are as cold as a stone in the midst of a February blizzard in Gaylord. If you get my drift. <laughs> but for many of us, when we do something wrong, even if it's something minor like going five over the speed limit, and I know you 80 mile per hour people in here, I'm in good company. <laughs> it bothers you. And you still look for the big red bubble. If it didn't bother you, the big red bubble wouldn't bother you. And then there are some that, you know, they like to, well, maybe just add a little bit of extra when you're doing your taxes. You know, I gave this much to the church. You know, well, I think it... Yeah, I think it might have been a little... It's like me telling my fish stories. Why would that bother you if there were no God? You see, something inside of us screams at us. Guilty. 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 Guilty of what? If there is no God, then why would we feel any remorse, any guilt for our actions? I'd like to suggest today that the reason that you and I feel guilt 
is because there's something inside of each one of us. It's called a conscience. You have a spirit inside of you that's different from all the other critters that walk this earth. We're God-wired. And He lets us know when something's not right or when it is right. Hello? You see, God gave us the law so that we would know when we were breaking something. Was it for His benefit? Nothing is for His benefit. We're all benefiting from what He's given us. The law was intended to show us we couldn't do it in and of ourselves. That's why He gave us those wonderful things that we used to see in all of our courthouses called the Ten Commandments. Now this might surprise you a little bit. I don't know. Maybe it won't. They did a poll, a survey, and The Christians who said, yes, I'm a Christian, yes, I go to church, the Christians could only recall two or three at best of the Ten Commands. That ought to worry us a little bit. That means that we might not realize we're stealing when we are. We might not realize we're committing adultery when we are. Hello? So, I wanted to read this list, and I'm not reading it from the Scriptures. I'm giving you the simplified version. This is taken, though, from Exodus 20. Number one. I am the Lord your God, and you shall have none others. And he also says, I am a jealous God. One of the few times you hear the Lord talk like that, he's jealous of our attention. He doesn't want us sharing it with some graven image, which is the next one. Do not worship false images. They were really good at creating things and then worshiping them in the Old Testament. We do the same today. We worship our jobs, among other things. What's number three? Do not take your Lord's name in vain. That's number three. All right? Number four. What are we doing today? Honoring the Sabbath. Keep the Sabbath day holy, which literally means to be at rest or to cease from doing work. Now, some of you are good at it. Some of you need to practice it. Number five. Thank you. Honor your father and your mother. And this is the the one command with a promise. If you do that, young people, the Lord says he will bless you with long life. Some of you are thinking, I don't know if I want that. Then don't honor your mom and dad. It'll cut you short right there. I'm just saying. Number six, the big one, don't murder. Don't think in your heart about murdering somebody. Hello? It's pretty easy to do. How many have ever been so mad that you've actually thought about ending somebody? 
right? It happens, even in your heart. Seven, don't commit adultery. What? Yeah? God's pretty sure about this one. Number eight, don't steal. Number nine, you must not falsely testify against your neighbor. Liar, liar, pants on fire. Man, I wished we'd get this. Number 10, the last one, you must not covet your neighbor's stuff. House, wife, dog, their bass boat, none of that. Well, I just threw that in because that's one of them that I probably coveted a couple times. I see that Skeeter boat, you know, it's, it's like seventy, eighty thousand dollars $80,000. It costs more than my house, and I'm just like, oh, I'd look so good on that. But it wouldn't help me fish any better. It'd just get me there quicker. Let me ask, how did you do? How did you do? Let me ask you this. How many of you ever have broken some of these? Maybe all of these. I don't know. Ever told a fib, a little white lie, like we like to call them? Liar. Ever look at a commercial with a sexy man or why they do this? I'm, I'm looking at this guy selling cologne. And the dude is like Aquaman, you know. He's, he's got, and, and as soon as I see it come on, I, I puff up. Just, just in case Barb's comparing. But I'm like, why? Put some clothes on, man. Sheesh. Jesus said if you look at a woman... With your eyes like that, you've committed adultery. Ever been disrespectful to your parents? <laughs> I, I, I ought to be dead. It's under the blood, all right? Ever use the name of Jesus or God in vain? The laws of God were meant to show us that we cannot and are not capable of being sinless. It's impossible. If the law judges, judges us and proclaims us guilty, then what does that leave us to do? What can we do with this? It seems to me we are doomed. If there is no God... <laughs> No worries. When you die, you're going to return to the earth as you came into the earth. Genesis 3.19 declares, from the dust we were made and back to the dust we're going to go. Those very worms that I use to go fishing with are going to end up eating me. Pleasant thought. Not that you'd care if you don't believe the Bible. But there, if there is a God, you better pay attention to today's message. If there is a God. 
So is that all there is? We're born and we die? How many would agree? I don't believe so. How many would agree with that? In fact, I believe that you and I, we were made in God's likeness, in his image. The only creatures on this planet that were modeled after him. And that's found in Genesis 1.27. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female. He created them. And because of this, the fact that we were created in his image, there is something innate in us. Nate, something innate. Nate, where's Nate? Wave at me, Nate. Do you take off? There he is, over there. Something innate in us, Nate. I'm just trying to get that into everybody. You're thankful, aren't you? You're like, thanks, Pastor. Yeah. Well, it's like calling people the norm, okay? <laughs> now you know how I feel. There's something innate, something within us that screams at our conscience when we break any of these laws. And when we break God's laws, the Bible says we have sinned. And this is found where? Romans 3.23. Say that with me and read this. Romans 3.23. For everyone has sinned, we all fall short of God's glorious standard. Guilt. Guilty. Sometimes it comes on us when we choose to do what we know is wrong. When we know. How many have ever done something even though you knew that it would hurt God's heart? I'm raising both hands. Other times guilt overcomes us when we fail for one reason or another. And it doesn't matter what it was. Whichever way it comes, guilt only reminds us that we have fallen short, that we have failed. We have failed ourselves, and we have failed the Lord. My son Cameron, and he and I often uh, discuss things, and you know, iron sharpens iron kind of thing. He pastors the church in Onaway, the Awakened Church. I pastor here. And I called him this morning and I just prayed with him. I felt the Lord urged me to do that. And it was awesome. We, we spent about five minutes on the phone. And a few days ago we compared notes and I said, man, I like what you're saying there. I said, send it to me. And, and I shared something. He goes, man, I like what you've got. Send it to me. So I don't know what he's using to mine, but I'm using this of his. He gave five responses that people have toward guilt. First one. They deny it. Our feelings of guilt come from rules that society imposes upon us. How dare them? <laughs> we insist that everyone has a right to do his or her own thing. There are no absolutes. There are no moral standards to live by. Wouldn't you love to live in a world like that? We're already starting to see it. Number two, explain it away. How many have ever said something like, you know what, my dad, he was an alcoholic, and I probably will be too. 
You label yourself. You're setting yourself up for failure. Often criminal behavior is explained away as being, well, it was because of where I was raised and when I was raised. No, it's a choice. It is a choice. Denying personal responsibility is just a popular attempt to get rid of one's guilt. A third way to handle it is to punish yourself. (laughs) You might laugh at this, but I've seen people do it. You feel bad, so what do you do? You drink yourself under the table. Or you fail at your work or your marriage, thinking that somehow through your suffering, it's going to help you with the guilt. But I'm here to tell you today, it won't. It won't leave you. Failing only deepens one's sense of guilt and worthlessness. The fourth approach to handling one's guilt is to develop a system of do's and don'ts which one can live up to. Anybody? Don't raise your hand. We pick the things we're good at. Awful quiet. Troy, can you hear that cricket? They told me there was a cricket in here two weeks ago that every time it got a little bit quiet, they could hear it in the back. A real cricket, not somebody doing what I just did. We pick the things we're good at. We ignore the things that the Holy Spirit reminds us of. This allows the person to compare him or herself to others who don't live up to his or her standards. And by doing so, it reminds the person of how much better she is than those other people. This is a favorite approach for many of those who I believe have a religious spirit. And those are the ones Jesus called out over and over and over. Whitewashed sepulchers, I believe he called them. Finally, the fifth approach. Enjoy the sin. Just enjoy it. After all, God will forgive you. Your wife might forgive you. Your kids may forgive you. Your brothers in Christ will probably forgive you. The problem is that it gets easier and easier and easier to just do it. And I'm not trying to borrow somebody's slogan. I'm just saying it gets easier to just do it the more you just do it. Does that make sense? But here's the problem. Hear this part. Your conscience will get narrower and narrower. It will get duller and duller. If you respond like this, if you keep on just doing it, and you'll end up with what in the Bible is called a seared conscience. Romans 1.28 actually calls it in the King James a reprobate heart. That word simply means rejected or cast away. Now hear this. It isn't God rejecting you, casting you away. You are doing that to Him. If you no longer feel guilt, 
when you sin, you should be very afraid. You're in a dangerous place, and, and hear this, it is difficult to come back from there. Some do, but not many. The problem with guilt is that it keeps piling on and piling up and, and on and on and on. And, and I remember when I was a kid, my Uncle Dale, and I, I loved Uncle Dale, but he would let things go. And he had cows and he had a barn. And the cows in the winter would poop in the barn. And he would wait until spring to clean it up. And then he'd call his nephews and say, hey, I'll pay you two bucks an hour. You come on out and scoop the poop. It took two days to clean the barns out. All right? That's what sin does if you don't take care of it. It just piles and piles and piles up. Till you, those poor cows, I don't even know how they got around in there. Is that planting an image? I hope so. Eventually, we become so overwhelmed that it's an easy choice, or I'm sorry, the choice seems to be easy. I'll just give up. Hear me. Suicide is real. Most people who take their own lives, they find themselves in a life of hopelessness. But I'm here to tell you today, hear this, it is never hopeless. Say it with me. It is never hopeless with Jesus. It is never hopeless with Jesus. Never. That's a lie from the enemy if you think that. Now did you know that the word guilt is only found one or two times, depending on the translation, it's only found one or two times. What does that tell you? What it says to me is, God seems far more interested in, a, in his showing us forgiveness than he is in us having to wallow in self-pity and guilt. God wants us to be forgiven. He wants us to be saved. The act of God forgiving us through Jesus is the true source of a new freedom that He offers us, and it can only come from Him. Others try to duplicate it. Others try to mimic it. But it will never set you free. If you're a U.S. citizen, you may feel like you are free, but you're really not. The only way to be free is to come to Jesus. The writers of Hebrews quotes an Old Testament promise. This is found in Hebrews 8.12. He says, I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. That's one of God's many promises toward us, for us, because He loves us. He will no longer Remember our sins. He will forgive our wickedness. How many are like... Whew. 
Romans, I want to read Romans 3.21, and, and, and I already read Romans 3.23, but Romans 3.21, which I shared earlier, what I love about this verse is it's sandwiched in between a couple of awesome promises that God gives us. Read this with me, beginning with verse 21. But now, everybody say, but now. But now, God has shown us a way. You don't have to read the rest of it up. I just wanted you to get but now. God has shown us a way to be made right with him without keeping the requirements of the law. The law shows us that we're broken. We can't live up to it. So what did God do? He shows us a way to be made right with him without keeping the requirements of the law, as was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago. Verse 22, we are made right with God, get this part, by placing, what is it? Our faith in Jesus Christ. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. The law, broken. Made right when we believe in Jesus. There's only one way to be fixed. To be made right. And that's to believe. Then the next verse. See that sandwich in there? That's my highlight. For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. God wasn't just reminding us of that. He was showing us, look, you've all blown it. But I've got a better way. Yet. Everybody say yet. Yes. Everybody say God. Yes. Now put it together. Yet God. <laughs> yet God. You could do a whole message right there. Yet God. If it wasn't for him, you and I would be doomed for eternity. Yet God, with undeserved kindness, declares that we are righteous. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us. We didn't free ourselves. When he freed us from the penalty of our sins. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. Oh, come on. Can you praise this? Give them some praise for crying out loud. A little bit more here. This sacrifice shows that God was being fair when he held back and did not punish those who sinned in times past. How many are thankful that when Jesus died on the cross, not only was he looking back, he was also looking forward. And it says it right here. For he was looking ahead. And including them. Say, I am a them. He included us in this. He was looking ahead, including them, and what he would do in this present time. Now, meaning, Paul wrote this back then when Jesus died. Meaning, for us. God did this to demonstrate his righteousness. For he himself is fair and just, and he declares sinners. <laughs> he declares sinners. To be right in his sight when they believe in Jesus. There's only one way. There's only one name. Jesus. There's only one Savior. Jesus. 
you can't go to any other God. You'll be let down. The law was intended to judge us, to literally show that God is just. But the Redeemer came and He set us free from the law of sin and death if, when, we turn to Jesus Christ and believe in Him. The day is coming. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess Jesus Christ is Lord. He's either going to be your Savior at that moment or He's going to be your judge. Guilty or free. That's what Paul was talking about in Romans 8, 1 and 2. So now there is no condemnation. That means no guilty verdict for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to Him, the power of the life-giving Spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. Can anybody else get excited about this? Or am I just standing up here preaching to myself today? Put another way, Jesus is the sin freer. <laughs> That's a... We are no longer judged by the law, but instead we are pronounced not guilty. <laughs> Hallelujah. Woo! Listen to what the Message Bible says, Romans 8, 1 and 2. With the arrival of Jesus, the Messiah, that fateful dilemma is resolved. Those who enter into, his, into Christ being here for us no longer have to live under a continuous, low-lying black cloud. Have you ever felt that way? <laughs> no condemnation. The spirit of life in Christ, like a strong wind, has magnificently cleared the air, freeing you from a faded lifetime of brutal tyranny at the hands of sin and death. How many can say, thank you, Jesus? Can you say with me, no condemnation? The spirit of life in Christ brings you and I a new power. I'm going to get into this more next week about that new power. In a recent Acts 436 ministry publication, and I just put that up behind me so you know it, Reverend Mark McLeod wrote this. He said, once we believe by faith, we are to walk in freedom. We are to walk in freedom from the mistakes of the past. How many can say amen to that? From condemnation, hallelujah. From failures and the fear of failure. From betrayal of those close to you. Anybody? From lies that have been spoken over you. From guilt. From fear to move forward and to try again. You know, sometimes our fears immobilize us. But God did not give us a spirit of fear, but one of power and of love and of self-discipline or a sound mind. Hallelujah. Even from past victories, rather than living in the now, we continue to live in the, the old days. You know what? God's not satisfied with the old days. What you did when you were 20 doesn't amount to a, a hill of beans when you're 60 or 80. You ought to be getting new victories every single day. Walk in that freedom. 
And then Pastor Mark challenges us to do three things that are simple. Choose today to walk in the freedom that is only found in Christ Jesus. There's no other name above heaven or earth where you can get this freedom. Walk in the name of Jesus. He's given you all authority in heaven and on earth. Walk in that freedom. Second, choose not to put your pain on a pedestal to look at and to dwell upon. Physical, mental. I call this the martyr syndrome. Many people have it. Well, brother, you just don't know what I've been through. I don't care. Was it under the blood? If it is, it's taken care of. And I'm not trying to dismiss anybody's pain here. All right, so don't get me wrong. I don't want letters this week. I get it. But you're either born again, you're either walking in victory, or you're not. You can't have it both ways. And the final thing is, choose not to allow the enemy of your soul to keep you in his prison one day longer. (laughs) Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. You're no longer shackled by your sins unless you give him the key. You're free. You're free. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. Sarah, I'm going to have you come up now. I was going to read something else, but I think we're, we're good. Thank you, Jesus. As I was putting this message together, I really felt like the Lord just said, Norm, I want you to sing this song. It's an old, an old one. <laughs> oh, the blood of Jesus. And I believe that the Lord wants to do something with you today. Something special. Our salvation comes at great cost. It cost him everything. Jesus gave his life for us. But thankfully, through the power of God, he was liberated from death, and he came back from the dead. How many can say, hallelujah? And he offers us that same resurrection power. And just as he came back and entered into his glorified body, he wants to do the same for you and me. One day, when we die, when this body ends, when we stop breathing or whatever, if we are taken up, as some will go up, we're going to be transformed, changed into our glorious bodies. No more sin or pain. When I walk up the stairs, my knees aren't going to ache. Why'd I move my bedroom to the second floor? You ever feel like that? No longer. Your healing and everything that's good came as a result of the blood of Jesus. Would you stand with me as we sing this? I'm not a very good singer, so you better help me. Jesus, oh.
singing the same song over here. Alright, so the point is, nothing is changed without the blood. Look at God loves you. He loves me. We're part of His family. And He wants to share it all with us. All we need to do is take hold of it. Start walking in freedom. If you're not guilty, which you aren't, if you put it under the blood, then start walking in freedom. It goes back to my title, guilty or free. Which one are you? Heads bowed, just for a minute. Eyes closed. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, I don't think I'm free. I don't think I've ever said yes to Jesus. But today, I'd like to make that commitment. I want him to free me from sin and death. If that's you, could I see your hand go up real quick? Anybody here? Yep. Anybody else? You can put them down. Anybody else? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Let me ask you this. Maybe you're here today and you say, you know what? Those commandments kind of kicked me around a little bit. And I was kind of feeling like maybe I've been blowing it. I want to walk in that freedom. Like Pastor Mark talked about, I want to walk in the freedom of Jesus. If that's you, you need to start getting the victory over your life. You need to start walking in his freedom. Lift your hand up. Yep, hands going up all over. Thank you. You can put them down. Glory to God. I want you to pray with me today. Just say this as though you're speaking to the Lord himself, because I believe with all my heart he's right here today. He's listening. Pray this to him, not to this pastor. I'm just the conduit today that he's using. Father, thank you for the blood of Jesus. I believe that Jesus died for me. He went to the cross for me. He he allowed his body to be beaten for me. Thank you, Jesus. Cleanse me of my unrighteousness. Make me a new person. And Lord, if I'm already born again, help me to start walking in victory. 
I pray that as people watch me, they're going to see me living for you. Because I have the victory in Christ Jesus. I plead the blood over my life, over my finances, over my job, over my health. Whom the sun sets free is free indeed. And I'm walking in that freedom today in Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah. Now help me to honor you. Keep on praying with me. Help me to honor you with my life. All that I have, all that I am, I give it to you today. Have your, have your way with me, Lord. Amen. Amen. Give the Lord a hand today. Hallelujah. Woo! Okay. It's always hard to close. Oh, the blood. Can we sing that one more time? This time I'm going to turn my mic off. Mary, do you want to come up and, and help us? Because they'd rather hear you, trust me. I'm going to say the benediction prayer. Kind of did already, but we'll do it again. And, uh, and then we'll sing this song and you're free to go. Father, we again thank you. Thank you for reminding us the church is for us. Our friends here are for us. Everything that you've given us is for our benefit. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to take advantage of that. Lord, that when we leave here today, we would begin again, afresh and anew, to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit, yes, Lord. to walk in the victory that you've already given us, to walk in the freedom that comes through giving our hearts and lives to Christ. And again, I just say it, for whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Thank you, Jesus. And it's all because of the blood. Yes, Keep us safe in our coming and our going. Yes. We pray all this in Jesus' name.